So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 18 through 25 is what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the life of Joseph. Um, Joseph was the man God trusted. So why did God trust Joseph? And then Christmas Eve at the event center, we're going to talk about Mary. Uh, why did God trust her and, and why did God use her? And so we're going to look at the life of Mary at, 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 the, at the event center for Christmas Eve. So today we're, we're going to look at Joseph. Joseph was a unique guy. He was a guy that God trusted. And, and uh, in other words, Joseph didn't mind God interrupting his plans. Now listen, I don't know if you're like me. I hate it when my plans are interrupted. Am I the only one? You guys got quiet all of a sudden. I mean, I hate it when my, I'm the type of guy that when I get up in the morning, I got my day planned. I got my to-do list. I know what I want to accomplish. And you know what? I hate interruptions. Interruptions frustrate me. Interruptions, I mean, they just, they just, they, and then, and you know what makes it worse while we're on this subject? Uh, you know what makes it worse? Christmas time. Christmas time is like interruptions on steroids, right? Every, everything goes slower at Christmas times. There's more interruptions. And, and then I find myself going to stores, running a quick errand, and it turns into a long errand. And I'm like, and then I'm sitting there wondering, so did they not know it's Christmas? You know, you may need more, more than one checker, hello, you know, that type of deal. I went, I'm telling you, Friday morning, uh, I agreed to run an errand for my wife, and I did it with a joyful heart right? And so I showed up at a place because I, I wanted to go do some stuff and I didn't have long. And so, yes, I'll do that inside. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. And so I show up at a, an establishment and it was one of those frustrating moments. And so I, I, I probably shouldn't tell you where it was, but it was a post office. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, do they not know more people are going to mail stuff at Christmas time than any other time of the year? And it, anyway, I better quit. And so... And so I got mad. I had to, I got mad. I asked for forgiveness. I got mad. I asked for forgiveness. I, I mean, it's like the, lower, the longer the line goes, the slower they go. And I mean, I am so frustrated. I, I told that lady when I was leaving that place, I'm like, thank you very much. You have actually helped me on my Christian growth. I have learned to forgive. I'm learning patience. And I'm learning, you have actually, God has used you today to help me mature in the Christian life. And so I'm one of those guys that, you know what, I hate interruptions. I hate, but, but not Joseph. Joseph, I mean, Joseph was one of these guys, just a little bit about him. You can read about him in the scriptures, and you read about him from a guy by the name of Josephus. Josephus was like a historian of their day. And so there's a, there's a huge account, a historical account of what Josephus wrote about Joseph and Mary and of those times. And so some of the things that we know about Joseph, Joseph was like, he was, he was a church guy. I mean, Joseph was raised in church. He was from a good Jewish family. And so they went to church and they were in church all the time. Joseph was one of those guys that he had his life mapped out. When you look at, at his life and you learn that he had a trade, he had a good job, he's going to church, he intended to, to like live in that area, that town forever. And, he, you know, he wanted to be the typical person, get married, 2.3 kids, you know, have, have, you know, all of that stuff. And so Joseph is like going to church, and then Joseph meets this godly girl by the name of Mary. And so Joseph and Mary, they start dating, and they enter into like, like the engagement process or the, the, um, 
to where they became engaged. And so maybe you don't know this about Jewish culture, but, it, but in Jewish culture, when you were engaged, it was a two-year process. You, you, you stayed sexually pure. You, you, you lived separate from one another. But to, to dissolve the relationship, it took a certificate of divorce. And so Joseph, he, he had his whole life mapped out for him. Joseph wanted to, to honor God with his time, talent, and treasures. He wanted to be that guy that just, that just, just pleased God. And, and so, I mean, in, in Mary and Joseph, they were, they were sexually pure in their, their courtship. And, and Joseph was not a talk-to-talk guy. He was a walk-to-walk guy. I mean, Joseph was one of those guys that just didn't talk to talk, just didn't talk to talk that, that, that he, he followed God and he was a God follower. He just didn't talk about his religion. He just didn't talk about his relationship with God. I mean, Joseph was just not a talk to talk guy. He was a walk to walk guy. Fact is, Ron Sider recently wrote a book. It's called The Scandal of the Evangelical Conscience about how the evangelicals, Christians, kind of compartmentalize their life. And here's what he writes. I'll just quote. He said, whether the issue is marriage or sexuality or money and care for the poor, evangelicals today live scandalously unbiblical lives. The data suggests, the interview suggests, that in many crucial areas, evangelicals are not living any differently than from their unbelieving neighbors. In other words, what's happening, there's, there's no difference. In other words, what's happened, there's just a lot of talk-to-talk people, not a lot of walk-to-walk people. In other words, this, what he says is, is, is you've got these group of people that are professing to be followers of Christ, and yet when you look at their life, they live their life the same way someone that doesn't profess Christ. They make decisions the same way. They allocate resources the same way. They walk through life the same way. They handle with conflict the same way. But see, not Joseph. Joseph was like this walk-the-walk guy. Joseph was totally different. I mean, he loves God, and he wants to put God first in every place of his life. And so Joseph has his whole life planned out. And can you imagine? Can you imagine his shock? I mean, put yourself, don't put yourself over the story. Put yourself in the story. Can you imagine his shock when Mary on, on a date looks over at him and says, hey, I got something to tell you. I'm pregnant. And I haven't been with a man. It's like a, it's like a, a God thing. Can you imagine everything in, in his mind is like reeling. And he's... Joseph's been honoring God in every area of his life, and he thought Mary was too. See, the angel hadn't visited him yet. I mean, it's, it's just, this is all he knows. Can you imagine what's going through his mind? His hurt, his betrayal, his disappointment, his shock. I mean, how do you handle in your life when your plans are changed? How do you handle in your life when God interrupts your plans? The interesting thing about Joseph, Joseph keeps his head in this situation. We don't talk about this a lot in church, and, and, and maybe we need to talk about it more. But Joseph was not only spiritually mature, he was emotionally mature. Can I just tell you, according to scriptures, and we don't have time to flesh this out this morning, let me just give you this thought. Emotional maturity is tied to spiritual maturity. You cannot be spiritually mature and emotionally immature. You cannot live your life spiritually mature and emotionally immature where you handle relationships like the maturity level of a five-year-old. Name-calling, degrading people, shaming people. 
And I'm telling you, you when you, you want to walk your Christianity out, you and I walk our Christianity out when we disagree with someone. We disagree with someone's perspective. You know the way we walk out our Christianity, that even when we disagree some, with someone, we can still love them, we can still respect them. We don't have to shame them. We don't have to degrade them. Even when we've been hurt, when we've been betrayed, and all those. I'm telling you, part of spiritual maturity is tied to this issue of emotional maturity. How do you handle relationships? How do you handle people? How do you handle situations when you've been hurt, you've been disappointed, you've been betrayed? You see, when you look at, you look at Joseph's life, and you're going to see this just so clear in the Scriptures. When you look at Joseph's life, you find that Joseph is not only spiritually mature, but he's emotionally mature how he handles this. Maybe this is one of the one reasons God trusted him. Because Joseph not only knew the scriptures, but Joseph was also emotionally mature. In other words, the way he treated people, even those that hurt him or disappointed him. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, the scripture says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, we may say, use the word righteous there, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And all of a sudden we get a hint of his emotional maturity. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the, the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So three things, if you want, if you want to be a man or a woman God trusted, if you want to be a person that, that God uses. And so the first thing is this, you have to be ready to be used by God. You have to come to that place that says, you know what, I desire God to use me. I mean, I am, I am ready. If there's an opportunity, if there's a situation, I want to be that person. I want to be that person that's available. I want to be that person that's ready for God to use me. In other words, you have to come to this place and say, I want to do God's will. Joseph was that type of guy. He says, I, I want to please God over everything else. I want to please God rather than, rather than in the circumstance that I'm in, in the situation that I'm in. My ultimate goal is to please God. Following God or doing God's will is just not automatic. In other words, it doesn't happen without a choice. It doesn't happen without you and I coming to the place where we say, you know what, I'm available. I'm ready for God to use me. Because the truth is, you and I can waste our life. We can blow our life to where we never allow God to use us. In other words, you have to, you have to be ready to, for God to use you. I'm, man, I see, this, I see this in our church so much. The, those ministry partners in the veterans ministry that went to that veterans ministry, uh, nursing home, man, th through the course of this weekend, in between and after services, I've heard from all, almost everyone that was there, 
And they're all telling me their God stories. They're all telling me, I, this is the man I sat with. This is the man I got to know. This is the person I talked to. Oh, my gosh, we didn't even know it was his birthday. We show up. It's like his birthday. And his wife wasn't going to be there. His family wasn't going to be there. And he was struggling in depression. And we made a difference in that guy's life. I'm telling you, all of those ministry partners, they walked away totally different. A lot of times we think that when we go to help somebody or we go to minister someone, we're helping them. You know what we're really doing? We're helping ourselves. If you've ever been in that position, you know. You, you know, you've gone to a place and you've gone with thinking, you know what, I'm going to help them. I'm going to give them some socks, I'm going to give them a t-shirt, I'm going to sing Christmas carols, I'm going to bless them, and you walk away and you say, you know what, I don't know what just happened, but I, I, they couldn't have been more blessed than me. Man, I've seen this happen and with, with the veterans ministry, with the student ministry, with our women's ministry, with our impact ministry, whether, whether it's things that we do in this community, it's things we do internationally, whether it's our children's ministry. I have watched this happen, and you have to come to the place to where you're like, like you're just ready for God to use you. Verse 19, again, it says, and her husband Joseph, being a, a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly you got to be emotionally mature. If someone hurts you, not to hurt them back. Then it was his right. The fact is, everybody in the community would understand. But Joseph, see, Joseph was different. Joseph, to, to his core, wanted to do what was right, to please God. And so in his mind, he says, well, here's what I'm going to do. I, I love Mary, and, I, I, and she's a wonderful person, and... So I, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna try to divorce her quietly so it doesn't bring any, any, any shame to her. It doesn't disgrace her. A lot of times when we're emotionally immature, we want to shame somebody. We want to dis disgrace them. I mean, his heart's broken. And he wasn't driving away like after the conversation with Mary, like tweeting on, on Twitter. Like letting everybody know what she just did and hashtag she broke my heart, right? He's not posting on Facebook. He's not writing a country and western song of how she broke his heart so everybody knows. He's not doing any of that stuff. He just decides, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to handle this quietly. And the word righteous simply means this. Emotional maturity and spiritual maturity, it means being rightly related to God. And rightly related to people around you. It's emotional maturity and spiritual maturity. And Joseph had to be deeply hurt because of what he found out. But, but he also had this ongoing relationship with God. And so I mean, the key, I'm telling you, just the key is you have to come to that place where you walk with God and you trust him. And your goal is to please, please him in every situation. The second thing is this. If, if you want God to use you, if you want to be a person that God trusts, the second thing is this, is you have to be receptive to his voice. You have to be receptive to his voice. Joseph always kept himself in a position just to be receptive to his voice. Verse 20, it says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for she will, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is, means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. In other words, Joseph, Joseph decided what to do. When Joseph made a decision, he says, I, I'm going to divorce her quietly. But see, Joseph had spiritual maturity and, and he had emotional maturity. And he knew that you and I, listen, you and I cannot make a decision based upon fear. When we have fear, when we're angry, and we can't make a snap decision. Anytime I've made a decision out of that area, either I had fear of the future, I had fear of what was going on, or I was angry in a situation, or I made an impulsive snap decision, I always lived to regret it. And Joseph understood that, and Joseph knew that. And so Joseph must have started asking himself a question about, about what, what, does, what does God want me to do? I mean, Joseph has said in Josephus and in some other places that Joseph was a person that walked with God. I love that picture because if you, you have to walk close enough to someone to be able to hear them, right? I mean, Karen and I, we like walk, we hike, we, uh, we ride, ride mountain bikes and... and um, we don't ride mountain bikes on, on the streets and on the highways because a lot of you guys see, and she's always way ahead of me, and then you make unkind remarks to me about why I can't keep up. It's because you're emotionally immature. <laughs> and here's what I've learned, because she walks a little bit faster than I do because she wants to get her heart rate up. I don't walk. I stroll. And so, and I don't ride a bike, I coast. I'm just telling you, I just coast. I mean, I, mean I, I went down to the bike shop and they got these new electric bikes, right? Where you don't even have to pedal. I'm like, that's for me. That's for me. And she's like, you're not bringing that into my house. And so, uh, so but I think that's the way to do it. But here's what I've learned, that, that when I walk with Karen, that she can get far enough ahead of me that I can no longer hear her voice. Okay. We can do the same thing with God. You, you can let God get far enough ahead of you that you no longer truly walk with him. And you can't hear his voice and see Joseph was, was not that way. Joseph was not only ready to be used by God, but he was receptive to his voice. He knew his voice. Verse 22, it says, And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Now, Matthew is going to quote Isaiah. Isaiah is an Old Testament book, and just a little bit of Bible history just real quickly. The book of Isaiah is a prophetic book. In other words, it has hundreds upon hundreds of prophecy about one day there's going to come this, this Messiah, Jesus. And, and, and it is, it's precise, and it's exact, and it, it's like all these predictions, all these prophecies that man couldn't manufacture, that man couldn't, couldn't make happen, in other words. And so, he's, and so Isaiah, 750 years before the birth of Christ, is predicting all this stuff. It would be like you predicting in 750 years who's going to win the Super Bowl. But it couldn't be that general if it's going to be the same specifics as Isaiah did. You would not only have to name who's going to win the Super Bowl, you'd have to win, name the winning team, the losing team, 
You'd have to name who the coaches were. You'd have to name the roster of the players. You'd have to get the exact score. You'd have to get the individual statistics of each player. You'd have to determine and predict 750 years, like, like Super Bowl 852. Um, anyway, I'll stay away from the Broncos. It's too soon, right? There's room on the cowboy train. Uh, <laughs> I said that Saturday night, and someone screamed out, of course there is. There's always room on the cowboy team. We hate the cowboys. I'm like, okay. So anyway, and so Isaiah predicts the coming of Christ, and here's what he writes. This is Isaiah 7:14. This is written hundreds of years before Christ. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. There's no doubt, no doubt Joseph knew the Old Testament. This is why Bible study is so important. I know reading the Bible today has seemed outdated and who does it and it's hard and hard to understand. I am telling you one of the most important disciplines you can have. If you, if you want to be receptive to God's word or God's voice, and you got to know God's word. You got to, you got to, you got to read, you got to read his word and you got to apply it to your life. And so one of the things that brought Joseph comfort is that he knew the Old Testament. He knew the book of, 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 of Isaiah. He knew that there is coming a day when Emmanuel, Jesus, the Messiah, God with us will be born. And so when Mary started talking and, 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 and the, 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 the angel reveals the, the, this to him, it, it, it clicks. I mean, there's something about not making a decision out of fear, out of anger, or, or an impulsive decision. Many years ago, an elders meeting, uh, we, we open every elder meeting the same way. Uh, we all life journal together. And so uh, an elder, t it rotates around every month, and, and so a, a different elder says, this is my scripture, this is my observation, this is my application. And then we, and we talk about it, we pray, and we do that before we ever look at any church business. And, um, and so we had an elder at the time. He's since been transferred away and, and is in another state. And so it was just one of those times that I'll never forget. And so he's like, well, hey, guys, here, here's, my, here's my life journaling verse. And so he read the verse. And he said, this probably doesn't mean much to you, but he said, let me tell you what happened in my life this last week. And he, he told us what happened. And he said, um, I, um, I decided how to, how to handle this situation. I'd made a decision. This is what I'm going to do. And he said, I, I don't get God. I don't understand how God knows exactly where you are in your Bible reading and what you need. But he said, that next morning I got up and I got out my life journal and I started reading. And I realized I can't make that decision. That wouldn't honor God. And because of this verse, I, I made a different decision. And to be honest with you guys, if I had made the decision that I wanted to make, it would have been, it had been detrimental to me, detrimental to my family. There have been consequences and it wouldn't have been helpful. And I decided to trust God, and I made the decision that he wanted me. And it, it, it just brought, it brought peace to the situation. I'm telling you, we, we have to come to that place to where we take God's word, we're receptive to his voice, and, and we, we understand that, that he wants to speak directly into our life. The, the third and the last thing is this. If you want God to use you, you have to be responsive to God's will. 
It's one thing to be ready to be used by God. It's another thing to be receptive to his voice. But you've got to come to that place where you're responsive. You've got to come to that place. It's just not enough to know Scripture and never apply it. That's what Jesus said. That he, I'm sorry, James said. And Jesus said it too in a different way. But James said, blessed is the man who hears the word and does the word. And does the word. The blessing is not in just hearing the word. The blessing is in doing the word. That's where the blessing is. And that, that was Joseph's life to where you come to the place, you're just responsive to his, his will. It's, it's, it, and so there, there, there's some dreams. And so this was before the, the canon, before the New Testament was written. And so many times God would speak to people through, through dreams, totally different time. And so the, the, the first dream, remember we read it, Jesus, uh, God told, told Joseph to take Mary home to be his wife and that, that she will give birth to a son, the Messiah. And, and, and so all of a sudden it's an eruption. In verse 24 it says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He, he took his wife. In other words, there was no hesitation. There were no excuses. Uh, I mean, Joseph just heard and Joseph obeyed. He was, a, he was not only a hearer of the word, but he was a, he was a doer of the word. In other words, he, he trusted God even when he didn't understand. I think a lot of times that's why it's so hard with us discerning God's will. Because you know what, what we're really asking? When God asks us just to take another step, we're asking, well, where does that end up for me? <laughs> I mean, is that a happy ending? Is it a difficult ending? How, do, how does it, you tell me how it ends up, and then I'll decide if I take the step. And that's a lot of times why we struggle with God's will, because we just want to know where it ends up. And God wants us to have faith to where we trust him, and we're just willing to take that step. And so Joseph was that guy. There's, there, there's a saying that just has meant so much to me, uh, to, to me over the years, and it, it was found in a, in a cellar after the Holocaust where, 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 where some people were, some Jews, were, were in that cellar and, and starved and everything else. And, and this, this, this man, this Jewish man, etched in the, in the side of the cellar, and it was discovered after the Holocaust. And he wrote these words, and I mean, they've just been imprinted in my mind and heart. And he just said these words. He says, I, I, I believe in the sun even when it doesn't shine. I believe in love, even when you can't feel it. And I believe in God, even when he's silent. Joseph was that kind of guy. Joseph was that kind of guy that, man, regardless of my circumstances, regardless of my hurt, my betrayal, my disappointment, and I, even in those times when God seems to be silent, on where does this end for me? And doesn't answer all of my questions. And I, I, I just still, I, I believe in him. This last weekend, we, uh, his Micah, grandkid number two, uh, it was his birthday, five years old. And uh, my, my kids were like totally insensitive. Uh, they, they planned the birthday party during the Cowboy game. I'm like, hello. <laughs> so I went with a happy heart. You ever you ever tried to watch a you ever tried to to watch a watch a football game and a kid's birthday party all at the same time? It doesn't work. And um, so anyway, we need to move on. And so I'm helping Micah with a toy. He couldn't get a toy to work. And I'm like, Micah, just do this. He said, I can't do this. I said, Micah, just do this. I can't do this. Well, a toy won't work. Well, of course it won't because you're not doing this. Micah, just do this. And Micah says, I can't do this. And I says, and then I get frustrated. And I'm like, Micah, you can't do it or you refuse to do it. Which is it? 
You know what? When I said those words, I thought, how many times am I like that with God? God says, just do this. You, you, you want this to work out in your family? You want this to work out in your, this situation? You want this to work out in your circumstance? You want this to work out in your career? Whatever it is. And, you're, and I'm going, I can't, I can't. And he goes, you can't or you refuse. Which is it? We have to be receptive to God's will, and we have to be ready to do God's will. There's a second time of a dream that, that God came to him. It was after Jesus was born, and, and Herod, because of his fear, because of this Messiah, Emmanuel, Jesus, and, that they would worship him instead of, instead of Herod, that Herod had this decree, this rule, that all kids two years and younger would be put to death because Herod thought, I'll, I'll stop this movement. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he arose and took the child and his mother by night, departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah 750 years prior to this. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. Again, all of a sudden, God interrupts Joseph's plans, and Joseph is responsive to his will. It had to be a difficult journey, but he trusted. Matthew 125, here, here's another one. Here's another one. But he, he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now listen, when we read that, not a big deal to us, right? Not a big deal to us in our culture. Um, is a big deal to, to Joseph in their culture. See, in Jewish culture, the firstborn male was always given the name of his father, his dad. This is a big deal. This is going to be met with criticism in the community. It's going to be met with criticism in a church. The church people aren't going to like this. They're not going to like this at all. There's going to be isms and schisms and rumors going around. It's going to be because remember... Mary and Joseph, please don't miss this. Don't put yourself over the story. Put, it, put yourself in the story. Mary and Joseph are going around saying, Jesus is God, Emmanuel, God with us. It was over 30 years before Jesus validated any of that. Any of that. And really and truly in Jewish culture, he should have named his son Joseph or Joe or Joey. You see, God, even though it's going to be met with criticism, my goal is to please you. I'll name him Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. To be used of God. You have to be ready to be used. You have to be responsive to his voice. Receptive to his voice. And you have to be responsive to what he's calling, what he's asking you to do. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?